Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, everybody. Happy day. Welcome. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This, and we're super happy that you are here with us. It's just us this week, just so you know. <laughs> In the basement. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. We're back we're again. Back. Everything's back to normal. Hopefully you liked last week our live at Deseret Book, the flagship store. Thanks for everyone who came. It was really cool to meet so you. Fun. and. Man, we had some awesome conversations with some of you that we just treasure. So thank you. Uh, we're calling them, um, I can't remember what I started calling them. Who? Oh, worth it stories. Every time somebody says to me one of those stories, I was like, oh, they walk away and I was like, it's worth it to be oh. down in this basement. All okay, the time. that's good. Worth yeah. it stories. Yeah. We should keep a little journal. Yeah, I think we should. Like, I'm loving them. It's, it's awesome. my favorite part. Um, and then what else? Oh, and Lindsay. Thanks oh, Lindsay. so much to Lindsay yes, yes, also. Yes, 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 yes. So many of you replied about her um, video and her music. And wasn't that so fun? So fun yeah. to have Lindsay. That story, on. if you haven't heard that one, her story at the end is just beautiful. And her talking about angels is awesome. And just, it's a good it one. was good. We, we loved having her on. More surprises to come because yes, why, why not? not? Oh, what? Jinx. Did you know that's my you want me Coke? Root beer? No, you have to count to root 10. Beer. Oh. And I, if I say a word, it doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> so that's the new rules, FYI. <laughs> we don't even know. It just happened. Um, okay. Uh, welcome to all the new friends. And let's just answer this real fast, that um, you can sign up for our newsletter that comes out every week. In the newsletter, there are tips for teaching for kids, for teens, and also for just couples who are studying together or in groups like that. Yeah, we love all, we hear about so many empty nester groups that watch. In fact, I met someone yesterday who was going to theirs last night. So fun. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the Take Five cards. On that there. are in every single week. And for week. everyone who complained about the black ink, I think I might have resolved that for you. You just go ahead and let us know. <laughs> yeah, it might be solved. And we hope you love those cards. Yeah. We're loving the cards. So, to find all of those things, you can sign up for the newsletter at emilybellfreeman.com slash, just go to emilybellfreeman.com and the link is at the top. Bell is spelled with B-E-L-L-E. Mm -hmm. And then you put your email address in, an email will come, and then you have to like, if you're having trouble, search in your junk box for don't miss this, and then Google will know, oh, they'd actually like these people, and mm -hmm. it won't put it in your junk box anymore. So See? That's so nice. Yeah. Um, that's all the fun. Okay, we'll move out of the way so you can see the board. Yeah, we've got a lot wanna... going on on the board, and we couldn't even fit everything on the board, but we did our best to get most of it on yeah. the board. Okay, the first thing that we want to jump into, this is 2 Nephi 1 through 5, and what we want to jump into right at the very beginning is talk about something that happens in chapter 5, which is a curse that comes upon the Lamanites. This week, you do not want to use the printed book that came to you in... Um, you know, like the you actual, church, like, yeah, or if you the, picked it up at Desert Book, use don't the use online. the book. Use the online this week only. Feel free to use the book forever well, after. We don't know, but at least for this week, because <laughs> don't use the book because um, there's a mistake in the book. There's a mistake and an outdated quote that's in there that actually was written at a time when there were some racial views and prejudices, and we don't know how that made it in there. You may have seen the news story that Elder Stevenson recently met with NAACP for MLK Day and just renounced 
any sort of past racial comments or feelings or injustices that you know happened in the past so we got um, a lot of questions by email about you asking if we would teach this and we thought we're just going to start with it we're, we're just going to go right to it so we can um you just as you're thinking about teaching your families you'll know the direction you want to go and, and there's a lot of resources for being able to answer questions about this you might not do it this with your family or it might be really helpful to mm -hmm. arm them and let them know Hey, when you come across stuff like this in the Book of Mormon, this is what it means. Y'all, we need to be probably a little bit more anxious about um, making sure that love prevails. And if there's any like reason that, that somebody is going to feel like inferior, we might want to be the ones who can speak up and say like, no, it, I don't think it means that and this is what I believe. So... The first verse we want to go to is 2 Nephi 5, verse 20. This is where you actually find And you're going to be want to be watching verse. when you read 2 Nephi 5. You're watching for a curse and a mark. Now, this is what you have to know. We know what the curse is. We, we just know what it is. It is so simple and it's easy to understand. Comes up like five, six times in these chapters and again and again throughout the book. So that's what you want to focus on. What was the curse? Then it's going to talk about the mark, and we're going to give you some scripture references and places to go as you're studying what the mark is and what it's not, and a couple of really great quotes. So let's just read first what even is the curse. Do you want me to read it? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. This is 2 Nephi 5, 20. Wherefore the word of the Lord was fulfilled, which he spake unto me, saying, Inasmuch as they will not hearken unto thy words, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And behold, they were cut off from his presence. And he had caused the, the cursing to come upon them, yea, even a sore cursing because of their iniquity. So the curse is cut off from the presence of God. That's what happened. Yeah, and as you read, this might be helpful to know that as you read about, um, if you keep the commandments in the land, you are blessed with prosperity. Prosperity generally is a more a closeness with God. So the curse is being cut off from God and prosperity is an added measure of God's spirit in your life, which might lead to other benefits as well. But that's always the blessing is a closeness with God and the cursing is always being cut off from him. In the next verse toward the end is where some people run into trouble where it says, Wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, delightsome or delightsome, <laughs> Delilah, okay, that they might not be enticing unto my people, the Lord did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. This is the spot in Scripture that we don't actually know what the mark of the curse was. It doesn't seem, if you read through all of Scripture, that it has anything to do with skin color. Let's show you a verse that um, kind of shows some of these words in another spot. Yep, so we're going to take you, let's go to Luke first. Yeah. Is that where we're going? Yep. Will yep. you That's go there? I okay. didn't bring my Luke news. 11, 34. chapter 34. So I'm going to go there. You're going to notice all throughout Scripture when it uses um, skins, oftentimes it's talking about clothes. Um, so when it's talking about like, do you remember people's garments are washed white and they become pure and delightsome? And it's using a cl the clothes imagery to talk about really what's going on inside their in, heart. Or in their countenance. So you a little bit want to be thinking about countenance or just a look. Um, when I teach my seminary kids all the time, I tell them, if I were to walk down a dark alleyway 
And I saw a man coming to me and he was happy and he waved his hand at me and he was smiling, asked how my night was going. I would describe him as someone probably with light as, after I left. I met the nicest man. He just, he was so happy. He was filled with light. Um, if I was walking down that same alley and there was someone sitting in the corner and as I went by, he mumbled something to me that wasn't very nice and I could tell that I didn't feel safe when I was walking by, I might describe that person as just, it felt dark when I was in there. It doesn't matter what color either of those people's skin was. What I'm describing to you is the feeling that came from their countenance. And um, you a little bit wonder if that is the word Nephi is using to try and describe for us. This is what it felt like when you were with people who had been cut off from the presence of the Lord. Yeah, and over and over and over again, it just doesn't seem like it, it applies to the color of their skin. You know? Um, we love this in Luke, though. This it is, says... This is, you're going to want to teach these together. This is such a good explanation. This is from another kind of teaching you might recognize from the Sermon on the Mount. The light of the body is the eye. Wherefore, when the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. So, once again, kind of the story that you were telling, or that example that you were telling, that light and darkness has more to do with a heart and a countenance um, than anything and, and in, even in someone's scripture. eyes, someone's eyes. I love when you, um, it'll tell you later in scripture, and the darkness fell from their eyes. The scales fell from their eyes. It's so interesting as you start pulling all these together, you realize this is more of a figurative description than literal. And that's how you want to read it as you're reading into this. And really the third verse you might want to go to that oh, we, we love, love is in Alma chapter 17 and it's verse 15. And this is what it says. Thus they were a very indolent people because of the worship of idols. And the curse of God had fallen upon them because of the traditions of their fathers, notwithstanding the promises of the Lord were extended unto them on the conditions of repentance. Mm. And what so you good. see all throughout Scripture is despite someone's background, despite somebody's race, despite somebody's um, any thing in but their life. Despite the choices of their parents or someone else who had been with them. Or even the choices of their own past, that on conditions of repentance and change, they can now, the curse can be lifted from them and they can enjoy the presence of the Lord. This is a much better story to focus on in, you know, in this discussion. The good news here is that, you know, people can change, um, that people who once were cursed because of their decisions or, or culture they inherited, um, can change and receive like the a closeness with God and the blessings of God again. That's not to dismiss though some of the hurt that's been caused mm. by a misinterpretation of some of these scriptures. And it's important, really, really important to remember that. That a lot of times we look at things and because it has not been our past, because it has not been our story, we come at it from a very logical point of view. I will tell you that if you are close to someone who has grown up and lived in the lines of that battle and that struggle their whole life, my daughter-in-law is black. And when I hear her talk about this, it comes from a very emotional place and a place of hurt and sorrow and sadness for years um, before. And I think it's so important when we enter into discussions like this to remember that 
This may feel like a logical discussion to you, but for some people, this is a very emotional place for them. And sometimes we learn the most when we just sit back and we listen to that emotion that is being expressed there. It, it will teach us a lot about how to be more compassionate. Yeah, and we don't have to solve that for somebody. We just want to listen to where that hurt is coming from and show compassion where other people have shown disdain or been. And sometimes a really logical approach is so cold and it's mm -hmm. so like it seems like you're you're not. I think this is worth reading um, that no matter what the intention of some of the verses were or how people have interpreted them because they have interpreted them. And how they've them, been taught over time. This is a really important uh, statement from the church today. The church disavows the theories advanced in the past that black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or curse. So that's, we disavow that. Or that it reflects unrighteous actions in premortal life, that mixed, ra mixed race marriages are a sin, or that blacks or people of any other race or ethnicity are inferior in any way to anyone else. Church leaders today unequivocally condemn all racism, past and present, in any form. Mm, that just makes my heart feel so good to know that because there's been a lot of hurt in the past. Yeah. I just think it is so good that we have church leaders who are not setting that aside but are coming straight out and saying we disavow. We, we know this happened. We disavow what happened, I think, is a powerful and we're, statement. And we're sorry for, for the hurt, you know. I, I, like I, we genuinely are, mm -hmm. like in any con condition or situation. Like it's like, oh. If anybody grew up in a condition where they were looked down upon, like I want my first words to be like, I'm so sorry that happened to you and not explain, well, it's because of this or this or this, mm -hmm. but it's like, oh, yeah, I'm because sorry. Go, going to a logical place is not going to heal wounds, but meeting that person where they are, listening to the hurt and apologizing for that hurt, I think is a powerful thing to do. So I just, I think this is a good lesson to teach your kids um, I, I was so careful in seminary, and I think you probably were too, to make sure we would spend a lot of time on this, that my kids knew if they were ever in a Sunday school class or another seminary class, that they had a firm understanding and knowledge of what the curse was and what the curse wasn't. And I think that's important. Yeah. Okay. So there is that. Um, okay. These verses, these chapters um, are kind of after they've gotten to the promised land. Um, and they're there, we're getting to the end of Lehi's life, and he's kind of giving his last, like, bits of counsel, which I think is a tender mercy in and of itself, that you've got this father who knows, wait, my, the end of my life is coming, and I get a chance to um, bless all of my kids, and, you know, and to give them advice, and just, you know, all those types of things, it's neat that that gets to happen. And uh, um, one of the things that he talks about um, that's here in, in the beginning chapter, 2 Nephi uh, chapter 2. We, we lost it somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, forgot, I forgot this. <laughs> is just this whole concept of choice and agency. And 2 Nephi chapter 2 is probably one of the greatest chapters in all the scripture that kind of lays down what we would call the doctrine of the fall. And understanding the conditions that we live in here. And so one of the lines that we like so much is in all of creation, there are things that God has created to act. And there are things that have been created to act upon. And Lehi wants to teach his kids, you're one of the first ones. You are not a rock. And you are not a tree. 
You have been endowed with the ability um, to act for yourself, um, to be able to choose. And, and choosing, he says, is all leads to what the purposes of the Father are. Which we should just say, I think this is really helpful, that God's purpose for all of us is to become to become something more than we are right now. He invites us to his fullness, but he just says you can grow and progress. And the way that you do that is through what you choose. And um, I love when it talks about in verse 16, 2 Nephi 2, 16, wherefore the Lord God gave unto man that he should act for himself. And I, I love the fact that it is a gift, that it is having that ability to choose really is a gift. Um, in fact, I love um, many, many years ago when my son Caleb was in high school, he was a senior in high school, and he had a group of friends who loved to play pranks on each other. They loved it, and they were good at it. And I'll never forget one day, I came home from driving carpool, and Caleb was already home, and he's like, you are not going to believe what happened to me today. And so I sat down at the counter, and he was like, Amory took my key, he had an old Ford truck and the key was not a push button. It was like the olden day old Ford truck keys. And she had taken it at the beginning of the day and she put it in a big bucket of jello and she suspended it down right in the middle <laughs> of the jello. And at the end of the day, she brought it back to him and he had to like dig through the jello. So his hands were all red from the jello and got his key out. And I was laughing and thought it was so funny. And then he's like, but don't worry, mom, I'm getting her back. I took her cell phone and I put it in a big bowl of jello. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And then I said to him, did you put it in a Ziploc bag? And because I'm panicking now. And he said, yes, mom. And I was like, okay, did you remember to burp the bag? And I could tell by his what? face, he made that exact same face. Everyone, you're what? so glad you're watching today in case you ever do something like this. If you don't burp the bag. What does burp the bag mean? If you leave the air in the bag and you put the cell phone in and you shut it, when the jello becomes jello, guess what it does? It gets good. Puts pressure oh. on the bag and the bag <laughs> oh, bursts. opens itself. Uh -oh. And guess what goes in? Jello. That's what happened. So he went out and got the ball and brought it in and lifted up the bag. I don't want to call it burping the bag anymore. Well, you come up with a better name. <laughs> and the whole inside of the bag was full of jello. And this was in the olden days when everyone had flip phones. Remember when you used to have these? Your parents are going to tell you about this. And you would open it up and it would say, hello, my name is, and then you'd write your name and your phone became you, Amory. Well, where it was supposed to say that, it was jello bubbles. That's it. <laughs> On the whole phone. So, luckily Caleb had just been paid for work, a hundred dollar bill. That's how much phones used to be, $100. So he went downstairs and got the $100 bill and we rolled it up and we did curling ribbon on it so it looked all nice. And we put her phone in rice just in case because you also used to put your phone in rice if it got wet. And the $100 bill in rice. So when Anne-Marie came back to pick up her phone, she got both of those oh. things. And a new phone, really. And then we had a really good talk. We call that Caleb's hundred dollar day that's the name of that day in our family because we talked about every choice has a consequence every choice if it's a good choice it has a good consequence if it is a bad choice it has a bad consequence and we said this next time you're thinking of putting 
someone's phone in Jello, you should call someone and be like, is this a good idea? And then I would have been like, yes, Caleb, that's a great idea. Let me tell you how to do it. And then it will be so funny that like God has given you resources, right? He's given you parents. I'm talking to the teenagers right now. He's given you seminary teachers. He's given you young men and young women's leaders. There are people you can actually call and say, I'm thinking of going to this party. I'm thinking of wearing this dress to prom. I'm thinking of going to this movie. And and you have resources to be like, that's a good idea. Or uh, that might not be a good idea. And let me help you walk through that. But I love the thought of as we're acting, we're going to learn there's a consequence from every choice. Um, we love this stick. This is what I went to get just barely. It says on the front, he who picks up one end of the stick picks up the other. I used to love to take this to seminary because I'd set it on the table and I would tell people, you try and pick up one end of the stick without picking up the other end of the stick. And you, it can't be done. Like if, if you really pick this up, you get all of this. And um, it tells you it, that for every choice, there's a consequence. So you pick up one end, you get the other. And I just love this thought of if I choose this, then I also choose this. Um, I got this a lot of years ago from Liz Lemon Swindle's art studio. I don't know if they even still send, uh, sell them, but it'd be so easy to make your own. And it's such a good object lesson of just teaching your kids. Um, when we act, there's going to be um, a consequence of that action. There's a, something is going to come of everything we do and to learn to be thinking about that. And the one that, uh, what was I looking for? Oh, 2 Nephi 2.15. The one that he talks about, that's the verse I just mentioned earlier where he says, to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man, he created opposition in all things and made the choices available. In that way, God is not a puppet master, but he can be a father guiding us along. But he gives us the dignity of choosing to love him. Love isn't love unless we choose it. Mm, that's so and, true. And so that is why he creates this world of opposition. Uh, and, and even like we can't, like he talks about the Garden of Eden. Like you can't say they were happy and you can't say they were righteous if they had no chance to be sad or wicked. In order for there to be victory, there has to be opposition. We don't have to lose, but in order to come out victorious, we have to choose one over the other. And so... He created this place of opposition. The great choices Lehi wants to talk about is choosing the Redeemer and eternal life that comes through him or the devil and, and captivity that comes through him. He says, those are your choices. Like it's going to lead to one of those two places. And we have a couple of examples in here that we that we love. Yeah. Um, we love choices. this thought about like when you when you talk about being acting and being acted upon, sometimes those words you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Like, what does that look like? What does it mean? So we thought it would be awesome to go within these very chapters and say, okay, let's look at people making choices here. And what do we learn from them? Because these are people who are acting, right? They're, they're moving within their arena of what should they do or not do. So the first one is we love Nephi. If you go back to 2 Nephi chapter 1, verse 30, Lehi actually brings in Zoram. You remember Zoram was the servant of Laban who came out of Jerusalem um, when they went and got the brass plates. And, uh, oh, I was talking with my friend this week, and he said something I loved so much. And he just said, do you think maybe it took three times um, of Nephi and his brothers getting the plates 
um, because God really wanted Sorum and not the plates. Oh, that's so Isn't cute. Isn't that the best? Yes, you And I was like, part. oh, God is in the people business, not the plates business. He could have flown them out of the city. <laughs> but on that third way, he, we actually got Zoram. And he comes and he stays and Lehi says, and you really wish we could fill in the blanks here because we don't have Zoram's story. But what you get is Lehi telling him, a dad telling this friend. Um, Who's moved in, really. Who has no become, dad of his own now. He's just become part of the family. He says to him, you are a true friend unto my son Nephi forever. And I love that. Like, you know, there's like something happening in the story that Lehi would pay that compliment to Nephi. And in a couple chapters, I mean, yeah, to Zoram and to Nephi for choosing such a good friend. Um, And Zoram for choosing such a good friend in return. And that's just one of the, that's a choice that we're talking about, right? In a couple chapters from now, they're going to split. The whole family's going to split into two. And um, Nephi says, he went into the wilderness with all those who would go with me. And he actually mentions that I took my family and also Zoram and his family. And then it's funny that he mentions his brothers, like right after that, like Zoram's just in there with his brothers as those who like were going to support him in, in choosing to follow what God wanted them to do. And the consequences of that friendship choice and of them sticking together are going to keep unfolding with their kids and the next generation and the next, like it's just untold. So that's one example of choosing um, choice and consequences. The friends that you choose to be around make all the difference in, in the world. Everybody's got stories about that, right? Mm-hmm. Of like the friends that they picked and really like as a dad of a starting 15-year-old, that is our prayer, Jenny's and I's. It's like, oh, I don't care where we live. I don't care what sport you choose. I don't care uh, what grade you get. I just really, really want you to choose good friends because of the impact that it's going to have. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, we also love watching Lehi at this point. And this is going to be the very end of Lehi's life. These are Lehi's very last words. I don't know if you've ever been present when someone is dying or going through that process of their last days on earth. But it's so interesting that you hear people when they've been through that experience talk about the last things they heard that person say. And they're always super tender when you hear people talk about it. And as I read through these, I'm like, these are the things that after his dad was gone, probably Nephi was like, oh, and I want to remember he said this and I want to remember he said this, and, and these are the important parts, and I love I'm in... just remembering what my friend Brent yes. said to me, but what it's not. It? Okay, is it going to be funny? Cause... Yes, and then you could do a tender one in a minute, but my a really, really good friend of mine, um, my best friend growing up, um, passed away, and we got to be there with him in the hospital the days before, and I flew down, and um, one of the last days there, I was sitting in his bed with him, and we were just talking and I thought, this is my, I need my chance to say <laughs> something. <this> story. <laughs> and so I said to him, I was like, Brent, I just want to thank you for being my Zoram. I didn't say that, but I just, I said, for always being a good friend to me and always um, sticking up for me. And I said to him, Brent, I always knew if you were there, I would never be in trouble. Um, I, I thought it was so sweet. And then... <laughs> And then Brent said back to me, oh, thank you. I can't say the same about you. (laughs) And I said, what? 
And in all fairness, I really was the one who got him to do all the pranks and to sneak out and all of those different things. And so I was the instigator of a lot of those things. But I said back, I was like, say something nice to me. These are going to be your last words and I got to remember. So you need to say nice words to me. And then he did after that. But Awesome. Yeah, that goes so good with Zoram. Yeah, it does. It goes so good with Zoram. Because he was my Zoram. I just was not his Oh, baby. and we loved him. <laughs> um, okay, so Lehi is about to die now, everyone. And I love, there's several really great things that he says. But one of my favorite is in 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 30. And he says, I have spoken these few words unto you all, my sons, in the last days of my life. And I have chosen the good part. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. Just if he could sum up his life in one phrase, in one line, that is going to be his one liner. I have chosen the good part. And what that meant for his life, like what that meant for all of their lives. We think about um, the New Testament, Mary, right? Um, When she sat at the feet of Jesus and Jesus says to Mary and Martha, she has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I love in the Book of Mormon, we have Nephi, I mean Lehi, years before that ever was going to take place, having that same experience of just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I love when he tells us in... And, and I love one of the, as you're turning there, one of the good parts you always remember, want to remember that he chose is there's spots of repentance and change in Lehi's life that we get, and certainly more than just what is written. And, you know... Uh, choosing to change and choosing to repent is choosing the good part, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And choosing to do the hard things, yeah. right? Pack up your family. I was asking my seminary kids the other day, how many of you, if your dad came to you and said, okay, everybody pack for like two weeks because that's all we can carry and we're going on a vacation. And he said, "What?" you said where? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, how long are we going? I don't know. Well, how are we getting there? We're walking. How long are we going to be walking? I don't know. Who's super interested in that vacation? <laughs> you know, and then as you get, go the first day and you're like, what are we doing? I don't know. Um, that There's something about Lehi going out and, and, I mean, that's choosing the good part. That's him saying, I trust God no matter what. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to take anyone with me who wants to go. And we don't even know where we're going, but... We're going. Um, I love in chapter one of Second Nephi, it tells us um, that um, Lehi also spoke many things unto them. And let's just think about some of these things he's spoken to them. First, in verse one, how great things the Lord had done for them in bringing them out of the land of Jerusalem. And again, we see that phrase, the great things. Remember, we're watching for that. Um, in chapter two, um, it talks about, verse two. I mean, in verse two, it talks about the mercies of God in sparing their lives. And um, in verse three, he also spake unto them concerning the land of promise, which they had obtained, which they hadn't. Everyone just keep that in mind. They weren't at the promised land when he's telling them about it. But he's just so certain that the Lord is going to take care of them. And then it says, and how merciful the Lord had been in warning us that we should flee out of the land of Jerusalem. And I love that what Lehi wants to choose, what he is looking back on and what he wants to teach are about the great things and the mercies. Um, it's those things that we're looking for, right? All the way through the Book of Mormon. 
And um, the understanding that mercy of the Lord, and it's interesting because um, I just had my good friend passed away also just barely. And I have been going through in the last several days, every time she said something important, I put it in the notes on my phone because I thought to myself, I won't remember. I, I, I thought I would remember, but I just knew myself well enough to think I'm not going to remember these things. And it's been really tender for me in the days since then to go back and look at those conversations and the things that I wrote down. But last week, she's, um, I was sitting on her bed and we were talking and she said to me, we loved to study together in the scriptures. It was one of our favorite things to do. And she grabbed my hand and she said to me, we need to study mercy. Um, that's, that's what we've got to do next is study mercy. And then there wasn't a next. And I have spent this whole week studying mercy because that's what she told me to do. And she's probably knows everything about mercy now. So she's way ahead of me because she's on the other side. But And she knew it here. And she <laughs> did. the more I learn about mercy, the more I realize um, she already knew what mercy was. And maybe she was like, I need you to learn about mercy and I don't have the ability to teach it to you. And so that's what you've got to do next. And so I've just started a whole notebook on mercy. And maybe that's something you would like to do as you think about Lehi choosing this good part and how he was so careful about the great things and the mercy. Um, I love what I have learned about that word from scripture. It means especially active compassion. Do you mm -hmm. love that? Mm -hmm. Not just compassion, but especially active compassion. Um, it, it means you are tender. That's why when we see that word mercies, it's so often hooked to tender mercies because there is a tenderness that goes with mercy. Um, I love this. It's to stoop in kindness to an inferior. Do you love that? Yeah. The Hebrew word mercy actually is the same word as womb. I want you to think about that for a minute because when you talk about being encircled in the arms of his mercy, you think about what a mother does when she's carrying that child for nine months. And first of all, you think of that bond of the mother to the baby, um, just that love. But you also think about that mother is providing everything through the womb for that baby. Life, um, nutrients, protection, just every kind of care you could imagine is being provided in that She's moment. being especially active. Yes. Right? It's yeah. not just a passive care. Yeah. But like but my she's, whole... She's growing that That's cool. baby. It's so interesting to think that is mercy. And as I was um, going through and reading about this, I stumbled on a, a set of verses. And I love when this happens because I love reading the scriptures. I read the scriptures all the time. But every so often in certain situations... The Lord opens my eyes to discover something that I've read a hundred times before and never noticed. And that was the case this week. It's because um, you have an angelic tutor right now. That is so true. Um, and I was led to 2 Timothy 1, 16 through 18 as I was doing my search on mercy. And I learned about a man I had never met before. And now I can't remember his name. And so you are going to have to look it up. Because in my scriptures, I went through and rewrote the whole verses in Chris Belcher's name because mm. I loved it so much. So this was really Paul talking about one of his really good friends. But I'm going to read it to you talking about 
my good friend. And I love what it is going to teach us about mercy, what we know now about mercy. It says this, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Chris Belcher. And then it's going to tell you why her house qualifies for that kind of compassion. For she often ref refreshed me and was not ashamed of my weaknesses, but sought me out diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto her that she might find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things she ministered unto me in my hard seasons, thou knowest very well. Don't you love that? Oh, it is just such a beautiful description of someone who qualifies for that kind of mercy from the Lord. And I probably read this 20 times today since Chris died, just going through and thinking, how can I be better at these things? so I can understand mercy just a little bit better. And it's really beautiful like that this is what you remember. This is what had an impact mm -hmm. on your life, right? Yeah. And Lehi's doing it with the Lord also where he's saying like, do you want me to tell you what I remember most about our journeys is how actively compassionate God was to us. You know, we, we, we should have been destroyed in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Why? Why not us? And 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 you and some of us were rebelling in on the waters and we should have drowned and why not us? And he's just remembering how actively compassionate and merciful God was in in their journey. Man, yeah. it's what makes a difference. And it's what you choose to see. And what the good part Lehi chose to see was the great things and the mercies of the Lord. And oh, I just want to be that person. I want mm -hmm. to make that choice in my life. That is so awesome. And and the third one we had, it goes right along with that. It's Jacob in that chapter two, where he just says to him, um, oh, I should tell you, I was listening to this um, earlier, you know, when the scriptures can read to you. <laughs> and it said, he says, thy soul be blessed and thou shalt dwell safely with thy brother Nephi. And thy days shall be spent in the service of God. Wherefore, I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness. And it's funny because I thought he was going to say of you. But he says, of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. You are redeemed because of how good he is. And and he's that's, the, that's who he chose. He chose Jesus in his life. And it made all the difference. And I love this that he says about him. And I don't even know what verse. I thought I wrote it here and it's a lie. Um, oh, it's two. He says, nevertheless, Jacob, my firstborn in the wilderness, you were born in the woods. You know the greatness of God and he will consecrate your afflictions for thy gain. Because he chose him, like his afflictions can turn into good for him. So anyways, it's just beautiful to see like the impact that choices, choosing the good part really does mean choosing Jesus in all of these. Um, we this, love... What is next? Oh, oh we didn't do this. We have wanted. to do that. Okay. okay. One of the things that we love in here is a verse that's found in 2 Nephi 2, 24. Um, and I'm just going to quickly read it to you, but it's a verse that you're going to find all the way through Scripture. Um, and it is so good. And it says this, um, 2 Nephi 2, 24, but behold, all... Kind of talking about, let's introduce like this, yes. that there's some confusion about the Garden of Eden. Like, why would God bring in opposition? Why is he going to have good and evil? Why why the good tree and the bad tree and stuff like that? And this is the 
this is the reason for it. Um, so he says, I'm going to go to another one at the same time right now, just so we can see them both. He says this in verse um, 24, but behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Oh, I love that so much. I love that. It's like, you don't have to wonder about this because the one who made the decision is the one who already knows how everything's going to turn out. He just, he knows everything already. There is such an awesome chain of all of these, um, that kind of that same vein, that, that same idea that goes on in second Nephi nine. So we're going to get right here next week. Verse 20. Oh, how great the holiness of our God for he knoweth all things and there is not anything save he knows it. There's just something powerful about knowing God already knows. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been and he knows where you're going to go next. He already knows. And just learning to trust that he, sometimes I just have to say to myself, as, especially as I look at my kids, he loves them as much as I love them and more. Mm. He just does. And as much good as I want for them in this moment, he wants that much good and more mm. for them. And so I can, even though I look at it and I'm like, this is what I want to do and this is what I want to have happen and this is how I think things should go. I love that he looks down and says, this is what is going to happen. And this is how things are going to go. And you can trust that it's going to be good because I, I love them and I know them. And I have good things in store for them. So we gave you a scripture chain right here just to follow. Um, I'm going to read it for those of you who don't have the paper. 2 Nephi 2.24, 2 Nephi 9.20, 1 Nephi 9.6, Words of Mormon 1.7, and 3 Nephi 13.37. Um, I love this little box right here. What fears or worries begin to settle when you know this, that the Lord knows everything. He already knows the end from the beginning, and it's going to be good. There's hope in the end yeah. for you. Um, I just, I love the thought of that. And, it, and it's awesome that it comes right now because what's going to happen next is Nephi's dad is going to die. And, um, and I love that Nephi doesn't hide from us his vulnerability. In that moment. Almost like for the first time. Yeah. In his writing. That we just see this is a hard place for him. And it's double hard. Because first of all, it's his dad. You know, it's it just he lost his dad. Yeah. But on top of that, it's also the fact that now he has to take the role of the dad. Of, of not right. just leading the family, but of actually being the prophet and losing your dad and stepping into that role on the same day had to have been so hard. And he tells us it's hard. A lot of people call this Nephi's Psalm. And um, I love that he goes through and he's going to tell us, um, he, he tells us there's another set of plates I'm writing the history on. And on this set of plates, I am writing the things of my soul. Oh, I, I love that. I love that he's like, I'm going to invite you into a really intimate place right now. I'm going to invite you into this vulnerable situation. And um, he talks about his heart pondering upon these things. And then he just tells you, he's like, let me just tell you what is happening right now because I have sorrow and my soul is grieving and I'm encompassed about by sin. And like, he's like, I'm not in a good place. I love that he's like, let me just tell you, I'm going to write some things down you should know 
at the get-go, I'm not in a good place. And then there's four things I love. It'd be awesome for you to pull out too. Like what are some of your favorites? But I love that he goes in verse 20 of chapter four. He just says, you need to know God has been my support. And he has led me through this wilderness that has been full of afflictions. And he's preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. And then I love when he talks about he's filled me with his love. He's confounded mine enemies. He has heard me cry by day. He's given me visions in the nighttime. And then I love this one. And um, angels have come down and ministered to me. I love that he just looks back over the hard place he's in and the hard things that have been going on. And he's like, but I, that I made it because God. Um, it, it goes back to what we talked about many, many months ago, but God. Um, because I have him, I'm going to be okay right because he knows yeah, all it, these things and it almost gives him just like the the strength and energy to move forward you yeah. know it gives him courage to kind of mm-hmm. move from that spot it's interesting that only a couple of days before lehi sat the family down and said let's remember like everything that we've learned about god so far and i just can't help but think that that was so um sweet for nephi to have had that experience with his dad and then now to have to work through that on his own once his dad dies. But just days before mm-hmm. for him to say, Jenny and I used to do that. We used to sit down after like um, trips or um, ends of like journeys or something like that, uh, that we were on. And just like, let's recount everything that God did. Everything mm-hmm. we're thankful for. Everything we want to remember. Because he seems to kind of do that and move yeah. and move through. And I love how real he is. Every time I read this mm-hmm. line, I think to myself... When he says, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord in showing me his great and marvelous works, my heart exclaims, oh, wretched man that I am. Why do you keep going back to other things? Like, (laughs) you know who you're supposed to trust. He's proven himself loyal and faithful again and again and again. Why do you keep going back to those um, stupid things, the things that are not going to make you happy, that are going to lead to captivity? Like, it's just interesting. He's like, I know the right choice, and yet I keep... Um, going that way. And then I love that he says, but thank you, Jesus, for not leaving me in that place. Um, thank you for making it so that choice wasn't permanent. And and then he just pours out how, mm-hmm. how good God has been. And something we love to do um, like is to take a piece of paper. There's a spot on the journal page yeah, to write your own song. I think it's so good. When, um, when Megan was going through a really hard period, Our bishop said to her, I just want you to go home. I want you to pull out a piece of paper and I want you to pour out everything to God, which is exactly what is happening here. And so we have this little spot. We called it my psalm. Um, A psalm is um, supposed to be all of your emotions to like, you know, we like sometimes ask, how do I cast my burdens and fears on the Lord? Sometimes writing them is the way that you do that. Mm-hmm. And then a psalm is praise. A psalm is is to rejoice mm-hmm. and and just glory in God. There's something good for the soul mm-hmm. about pouring yeah. out. And then and praising. Then, yeah. Yes, the two together, that's what you're trying to capture when you do this. We should put some songs in the newsletter that will help you praise, okay. you know, because so fun. <laughs> there's some, yes. we got, you know, I write that down. our people need help learning how to praise a yeah. little bit, you know, so oh, it might be so good. good. Yeah. It gives some okay, motivation man. there. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the end, we love this part so much because we are going to be introduced to something that we are going to see through the Book of Mormon several times. 
and it's the thought of living after the manner of happiness. And I just want to show you, um, this is my cute friend, Verda. We've talked about her before. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this very good, but oh, I hope you can. I'm going to bring it right up here and I'm going to hold really still. Okay. Do you see that cute lady right there? That's my friend, Verda. And that is a picture that was taken when she was 95 years old. And she had just been on a five mile snowmobile trip. Who loves that? <laughs> it makes me so happy. Um, Verda was someone who lived after the manner of happiness. She just did. She's one of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. And I can remember um, being at her house one day and just sitting over there and talking. And she was one of those people. Do you have people like this in your life where every time you sit with them, they just, they'll say one or two lines that you're like, I got to remember that when I walk <laughs> out of this house. You got to write it down right when you get home. And she did that every time I left. She was like, let me just tell you this. Maybe that's what happens when you are 95 to 102. You just hang out with those people because they have all the wisdom. wisdom. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're and, like a um, fortune cookie. I can remember walking out that day and she said, life is wonderful. The world is beautiful. Enjoy the journey. And I was like, Oh, I got to do that, right? Please bless when I'm 95 years old, I go on a five-mile snowmobile ride. Who does stuff like that? But she just knew how to live. She lived after the manner of happiness. She just took everything in, and that's kind of what Nephi is going to describe. Yeah, it's almost as if, like, she doesn't just choose one morning that she's going to be that, but the scriptures show us how a person can live after the manner of happiness. Words like that are a reflection of something else that's going on in the inside. And what we want to look at is where did that come from? Where, what kind of soil does that kind of tree grow out of, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple spots in scripture. If you're into this right now, if you're digging this right now, if you're like, wait, I want to do <laughs> I that. Know more about that. Yeah. We have three spots you can look. One is right here, 2 Nephi 5, 5 through 27. Another one's Alma 50. And then another one is 4 Nephi 1. There's only one chapter in 4 <laughs> Nephi. So you can't get Nephi. confused on that one. Um, for this one, a really fun activity might be to take 2 Nephi 5, 5 through 27, and let everybody search it on their own and just see what you pull out um, out of that. Be clever in some of the things yep, that you might pull out. out Exact you're looking phrases for, yeah, or... what they did that led to the happiness. That's what you're looking for as you're pulling things out. Let's give them some examples. Okay, this one's my favorite. Verse 11, it actually says, And the Lord was with us, and we did prosper exceedingly. And I just wrote, I wrote on my list that you notice God's grace. That helps you live after the manner of happiness, to notice God being with you. And present. And I love this one, even though I don't really love it. But um, in verse 17, it came to pass that I, Nephi, did cause my people to be industrious and to labor with their hands. There's something about work, about not being idle, about being involved in something that brings happiness. So all through here, you are going to see, I mean, we gave you a lot of bullet um what do points. you call those? Bullet points? Yeah. <laughs> bullet holes? I'm like, that's not what those are. Um, for you to be able to write that, don't do that. I was putting bullet holes in it. Bullet points. That's so much nicer. That's not happy. You just got grounded. Um, they, <laughs> um, that to list out all those things and then talk about, even in your family, how many of these things are we doing? How many um, of, the, of the bullet points are things that look, we have in our home? And how many are things we need to actually add? Like where are we maybe not doing as well that we could be doing better at? And one of the things that you'll notice are which things 
aren't on that list, that aren't the things that lead to the manner of happiness. Yeah, well, and you already know what they are, but one of the things, some of you, this is a repeat for any of you who have the, oh, it's right here. Uh, the um, Don't miss this devotional book, but one of the, that I wrote about this was a trip that we actually took together down to Mexico with our families to go work at the orphanage. We um, talk about this all the time, and then we get a million emails from you wondering who we went with. Um, and it's a Child's Hope Foundation out of Orem who we went on that trip with. And, and as part of that trip, we got to go into Tijuana one morning and meet these people. Yeah. And uh, we if you've been around, you've heard the story that we got to feed breakfast to them. It's in a dump. Um, and these little houses and shanties that are just like built into the trash and into this dump. And, and, they, and they kind of use what's what, there whatever. to build so they're not even like made out of wood. They're just made out of whatever they could get and kind of stapled together and set up on each other. And, and I, we went to this uh, man whose name is Javier, who is there and he took us to his house. And it was, it was just one bed in the corner for like all six of their kids and a front door made out of a sheet. And remember, he was so happy that he had just expanded his kitchen. <laughs> like it was like, it, it was, was seriously so like, tiny. it was so cute. But he, he was, was so as happy as anybody on HGTV yeah. that I was like, we just remodeled the kitchen and it was dirt and like not even even. And he was like, look, and we expanded. <laughs> that leaned against the wall. And I mean, just to tell you how, how that house was, it was like where we are, this it's blackboard just, times two. That's, yeah, the, in one corner, there were two double beds pushed right next to each other, and all ten people slept on the beds together. They just all laid, and a baby was coming, remember? Yes. A baby was coming. Yeah. Do you remember but the exact they words? Because I got um, this out just Oh, no, I do. So um, yeah, so when we were leaving, I mean, honestly, you, you, could, you would have just been floored by how happy he's the happiest he man was. like you were just like we love him and you, so much and so many of the things on here remember like how often you want to point out god's grace to you and just it's work it worked yeah it's javier we tell yeah. you about him all the time because he left that big of an impression on us and we we left there and uh wait isn't that funny it's funny like what leaves an impression mm -hmm. on you we were talking earlier about mercy does and you know grace yeah. does and gratitude does but um walk we're driving home and I've got the, some of the kids in the car and I just said, what are you guys taking home with you from Mexico? Meaning like, what lessons do you want to take home with you? And, my, and there had been so many, like you need to know there were so many lessons yeah, from that trip. A lot that you could learn and take. And um, Jackson said, my oldest said um, from the backseat, before I came here, I didn't know that you could find happiness in God in the middle of a garbage dump. But now I know you can. And... Uh, that that's been like a piece of wisdom that's been really really important to me and special to know it's like wow i didn't know like in the middle of a family fight that you're going to have in second Nephi five you can find happiness i didn't know you could find it on a on a torrential boat ride i didn't know you could find it out in the wilderness i didn't know you could find it in the death of someone that's so dear um i didn't know you could find it in the middle of a garbage dump but you can because that's where you find god um and where he is, you can find happiness. So, so many good, good things. Stuff. Oh, you just, every time you think there can't be that many good things in five chapters and then. Ta-da. There is. <laughs> every time. Okay. See, See you, you next, next week. week, friends. Jinx. You owe me coke. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. 
Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.